Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Daily Objective, the show where we try every single day to make sense of a world that is increasingly incomprehensible in some respects, but at the same time is as comprehensible as ever with the right tools. And philosophy is the tool that I'm talking about. We have uh, come to study and agree with the philosophy of Ayn Rand, objectivism. Um, without objectivism, I would probably drive off of a cliff after the presidential debate last night. Or, yeah, last night, no matter where you are in the world, basically, right? Anywhere in the world, it was nighttime, I, I'm assuming. I mean, I'm in America. We assume everyone else kind of uh, <laughs> caters their existence around us. And for good reason. You guys all watch our debates, and we take no interest in yours. There's a lot to say about the debate. Now, uh, I can't obviously do it alone, but I can do it with the man who, uh, let's just say he comes all the way from Greece. He's currently stationed in York. And that music you hear is not the sound of heaven because you died <laughs> after the debate. It's actually his neighbor playing piano so inconsiderably while we're trying to broadcast over the internet. Please welcome Nikos Sotirakapoulos. Thank you, Raka. Hi, everyone. So, as we know for, from objectivism, we don't believe in self-sacrifice. However, I have to say that staying up, actually waking up to watch the debate in the middle of the night was the closest thing I've ever done to a sacrifice. But because the daily objective is higher in my hierarchy of values than one night's sleep, I did it. But it was a letdown, obviously. And uh, a lot of people today are saying, uh, you know, the United States deserves better. This was the worst in history. The question is, and before we go to the technicalities of the debate, A, is anyone really surprised? B, does the country actually deserve better? And what does deserve mean? Like, does the university, the education system, the culture, does it really deserve anything better than what we saw yesterday? Maybe, maybe not. But if yes, why did we end up so it's this usual thing, say, oh, from 300 million people, you chose this. Well, it happens for a second consecutive time, because I've heard the same thing in 2016. So I don't know, maybe that's, that's what the country deserves. Anyway, so what's your overall take on the, you know, that was horrible, we deserve better. And then let's start getting into the debates, details. Well uh, after the debate, I rewatched our discussion yesterday, and I was pleased to see that I kind of called a couple things right. I said Biden's job, I mean, this is not like a brilliant take, but I said B Biden's job is to look normal, to not look crazy, to just be as calm as he can. And I think he, mo he pretty much did that. He, he looked pretty sane standing next to Trump, I think, from the perspective of a lot of people. So Biden was just kind of like, will you let me finish? Can I, can I say something? This guy never stops interrupting. Also, I said that the issue of the, the riots and Antifa will be Trump's time to shine because Biden, he, needs, he can't quite condemn the uh, violence, but at the same time, most Americans rightfully um, are horrified by seeing civilization set aflame. So that's Trump's time to shine where he's able to say, this is Antifa. These guys are crazy. This guy is in the pocket of Antifa. You'd better be careful, Antifa. And Trump, of course, uh, took advantage of that opportunity. And now a lot more happened that I'm sure we'll get into. But those are the two things that struck me. Trump, Trump was able to sort of uh, capitalize on the 
uh, civil unrest topic, and Biden was able to capitalize on the craziness of his opponent by just staying as calm as he could. Yeah, and I think there, there's a big myth that has been created mostly from the 2016 debates within the Republican Party when Trump you know, made fun of Rubio, of Jeb Bush. And this idea was that this Trump, that is the idea that Trump is this titan, this god of debates. He's this, uh, he's this uh, you know, gladiator who enters the arena and destroys everyone. Second time, because I think also with Hillary, his performance was way below average, of at least of his, the standards that he set in the other debates. I think yesterday he lost a huge opportunity because someone told him, not someone, himself, he persuaded himself that by being the alpha guy on the stage who doesn't wait the moderator to give him the stage that he interrupts, the body language, so, so he persuaded himself that this is going to be enough. But by doing this, he actually protected Biden. So Biden had two allies yesterday. The one ally was clearly, in my opinion, the moderator, because in the one point when he was in a really difficult position on the discussion with the riots and all that stuff, he quickly shifted to another discussion. And I don't think he got the pressure he needed Sorry, the, the pressure he had to put on, on Biden. But he had a second ally, and the second ally was Trump. He missed so many opportunities. So Biden used the, uh, oh, you support white supremacy and the good guys in both sides, which, let's be honest, is not true. That's not what Trump said. And it would be easy to, 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 to take him down on this. He lost a huge opportunity with Green New Deal. He lost an even bigger opportunity if he could also concentrate a bit on the race uh, on the race issue. So by Trump trying to be Trump, he, he managed to make Biden look, not only look like the serious guy, but also he didn't get the opportunities that Biden handed him off on the plate. He had a couple of good moments, like this thing, uh, uh, I am the Democratic Party right now. So Biden, you know, he tried to play the tough guy, and immediately Trump says, oh, not according to Harris, which shows he can think on his, on his feet and he's good in this, making it this kind of chaotic thing. But beyond that, I think it was a very poor performance for Trump uh, and he lost a huge opportunity because remember, Biden needed not to lose, Trump needed to win. And I don't think Trump won. Yeah, I mean, the probably the most... Um controversial moment all right it's hard to pick just one but when chris wallace asked trump like will you condemn white supremacists he was giving him an opportunity this time to just be very explicit and on the spot and just say white supremacists can go to hell if he had just said that he could have then moved on to the point he was making about that the the civil unrest is largely being perpetuated by leftists by antifa by the people that Biden is, you know, a Trojan horse for, whatever it is he wanted to say. All he needed to say is, yeah, white supremacists are not my friends. They can all go to hell. That, most people want to hear that, you know. Most, most people are not white supremacists, as, as far as I'm aware. But um, it's either, I mean, I don't, I don't get why, I guess Trump would probably say he's not going to condemn who you tell him to condemn when you tell him to do it. That's like Trump's thing. And that's kind of, I guess, his appeal to a lot of people. I mean, that's mainly his appeal. And, 
you know, to your point that it was a poor performance. I think the people that like Trump at this point, they like him even more or they like him still based on his performance because he was interrupting, because he was pointing the finger at Biden and talking about the left and the far left and Antifa and all of that. And it's gratuitous. I don't think it's the, I don't think the uh, job of a presidential candidate is to educate the public. I don't think that, I don't think a presidential de debate is for um, the parties to sort of confront each other primarily. It's really just to contrast policy. Now, I guess, I guess that sort of amounts to ultimately what we, the type of thing where they're pointing the finger saying you're on the left. Well, you're on the too far right and, and, and all of that. But it, I don't like the fact that the debate has turned into finally Biden is getting confronted about Antifa in a, while everyone's watching or uh, finally Trump gets to point at the media and say, you guys are all Democrats. It's, it's gratuitous, but that, I mean, this is serious business. Like, I mean, that's the job of the media is to confront the media and to confront the candidates. And, and I get that, you know, people feel that that's not happening, but I mean, do you want a president or do you want a media critic? Do you want a president or do you want a, 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 a professional wrestler? Yeah, but uh, so immediately after the debate, Trump uh, had this uh, tweet with this photo, which was like a street fighter. And on the one hand, it was him. On the other hand, Biden and the moderator. So he, so this place by his, this is singing at the tune of Trump's campaign that I have everyone against me, which is good for, good for him. Now on the condemning white supremacy, I wouldn't answer that question. If someone asked me, do you condemn white supremacy? I would say, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, who are you? Why would I do it to you? If someone tells me, do you condemn Marxist Leninism? I wouldn't say, oh yes, I condemn. Or like, have I shown any sign or that I have to do this? If not, I would say uh, we're not allowed to curse. But so I, I don't think that the moment someone comes to you and says, do you condemn this or this? And the same with Biden, like with Antifa. But here's the thing, Biden there danced around. He said, oh, Antifa is an idea. Like imagine, imagine, imagine if Trump said something like, well, being a proud boy is an idea is not a, is like that, that's ridiculous right so i get it that this was you know and that he could have done better there but the people who wanted to as you said the, the people who want to see the message that this is a guy against the system last night they saw they saw this message but this wasn't basically trump this was his opponent so this was a, a victory let's say by omission so to speak from the from the from the other side so let's go to a bit well, to the I'll, more specific yeah go on well i mean when there's the widespread uh the widespread impression that a candidate has affiliations like with obama it was his affiliation to like louis farrakhan and he was confronted about it by hillary clinton and he said i i reject farrakhan he could have been a hard ass about it and said, well, who are you to ask me? I mean, are you running for president? You need to play ball. You need to answer the question. With Trump, he can, he can, his whole thing and his supporters have always said, like the people sticking by him said, the media took him out of context. They completely, you know, misrepresented his views. Okay, well, here he has an opportunity where he's being asked point blank. Will you reject the white supremacists wherever they may be? He could just say, of course I condemn them. What kind of question is that? 
no, what, you know, what do you think I, I believe? You know, my daughter is an Orthodox Jew, he could have said. Whatever, he could have just said, white supremacists can all go to hell. Then he can move no, on. No, that, that, that would be a good answer. But that's different. So, oh, yes, you know, I'm so sorry. Because well, again, it's, it's, it's part of a shaming thing that it, it gives him so much credibility that he doesn't even deserve. So it gives him street cred. So he knows how to play it. And of course, the other two either were not clever enough to get it or they thought it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So here's what I found of the most hilarious moment. So apparently, because as we know, Trump has a kind of a sort of tension span, probably they told him, remember one thing, mention socialism and left all the time. So while the debate was fresh and Trump remembered it, he started all the time saying, you know, left, uh, socialist, uh, Bernie Sanders. It was hilarious though. At some point he said, oh, this guy is a socialist. And then literally within 20 seconds, he said, but look what I did. I cut the price. So he says, this guy is a socialist, but I managed to, through the power of the government, make sure that these uh, bad companies give you the, give you these drugs in, in small prices. Or it was hilarious, this whole discussion about healthcare, because again, Trump was, you have a plan to socialize healthcare, but look what I did for the veterans and the military and all that stuff. So the, the, the interesting thing is if someone wants the debate not knowing who is who, and you told them what is their ideological affiliations, it would be very, very difficult to figure it out before Biden started talking about uh, equality and all that stuff. But is there, even, is there even a point in discussing it? Is there even anyone in the, the, the conservative side who will be off-put by that? Off-put by the whole uh, na uh, uh, anti-Big Pharma rhetoric that Trump oh, was saying? Oh, yeah, and, he literally and the used policy. the term. He yeah. used the term Big Pharma, yeah. Well, I know you're, you're kind of new around here to the free market world relative to me. You know, I was paying attention to politics in America. I don't, I don't know if you were necessarily paying attention to people like Mark Levin. And so like, like, so like 10 years ago, there was this guy, big radio, AM radio, talk radio. That was where conservatives and therefore largely free market people were congregating or they were, yeah, they, that's where they were broadcasting on AM radio. And so you had Mark Levin, who was this sort of force to be reckoned with and as a constitutionalist. Um, and you had uh, Michael Savage. He's more of the Trumpian kind of like traditionalist. Well, I'm not saying Trump is traditionalist, but like less about the principles of individualism as devised by the brilliant founding fathers and more about like, you know, not, you know, kind of uh, legislating morality and, and order and um, kind of the country as a family and stuff like that, and protectionism in, in economics. So he's not, he was not at all married to like laissez-faire capitalism, which uh, Mark Levin would go on these rants, these tirades about Supreme Court rulings from 75 years earlier where, where the, the judges, they completely bastardized the concept of property rights and we're still paying the, the cost of it today. So conservatives used to have a really, and Ben Shapiro was kind of on that, side two, the constitutionalist, individualist, capitalist side of things, uh, wanting to get rid of antitrust laws, like showing why they're in, in, ineffective. Now, of course, objectivists at that time could say, well, here's why the conservatives are making the wrong arguments against this antitrust stuff. Yes, but at least there was, I mean, there was someone on the right, there were a large conservative movement, movement 
speaking the language of capitalism, that they were hostile to protectionism. They were hostile to bring the jobs home and they were hostile to, um, you know, uh, flirt with socialized medicine. They were anti-Obamacare. They were, I mean, they were anti whatever it is that Trump has come to represent in economics. Uh, versus people, like I said, like the Michael Savages of the, the right, who are, they were m much more friendly to protectionism and kind of big government in a kind of punishing companies that outsource and imposing heavy tariffs on imports. Today, Trump has basically eliminated the presence of the pro-capitalism voices of the right. And this is part of why I'm so eager to get rid of Trump. I think the Republicans need to do some soul searching. They need to cool down from this orgy and say, this is, we, we've completely lost our way. So if there's any hope for saving capitalism, it's probably in the Republican party. And if there's any hope of that, it's that they need to get rid of Trump and seriously do some soul searching. But yeah, you asked before this uh, monologue of mine, are there are Republicans put off by that? There used to be a time when Mark, people like Mark Levin and others were explicitly denouncing people, Trump, literally Trump by name, calling him a chump, saying Trump is a chump. What's he talking about this, with this anti-capitalist rhetoric? They were explicitly pro-free trade and pro-markets. Now, were they perfect at it? No. And did, could they back it up with a full philosophy, including ethics? Of course not. But today, uh, Republicans, they've gotten completely on the Trump train virtually. And the never Trumpers are saying, okay, we'll take Trump because at least he's not the left. So Trump won and I hope he loses the election because guys, this is bad. Trust me, as Trump would say, trust me. This is bad, but uh, anyway, so uh, let's finish with uh, let's, it's a prediction about future debate. So this debate, uh, in a way, reminded me the first debate with Hillary in 2016, which in all the biggest debates was probably Trump's poorest performance. So I think he will do some, he will do the work, as work people say, and next debate will be more interesting because, again, he could throw punches that he didn't throw yesterday. Whereas with Biden, there's not much. So the best case for Biden is that the debate is over and nothing horrible has happened and he hasn't, uh, you know, Trump hasn't completely dominated on him. So I give, by the way, a 10%, that's my crazy fantasy now in an orgy, that there will be no more debates. And this is gonna be for both sides, here's why. Biden can say, look, yesterday was completely nuts, therefore I don't want to sanction this process. This is good for Biden. He loses the risk of being in a situation where uh, he, he's demolished by Trump. This is also good for Trump because he says he chickened out. He's afraid. But yeah. if there's another debate, I want to see the question to Biden that it's a shame that was not asked yesterday again and again. What are you going to do with the court? Are you going to pack the court? There are some rumors that you're going to pack the court. And it was mentioned at some point. So I'd want to see more of this. I want to see more of Biden putting on the spot for the Green New Deal. At some point he said, I'm not, I don't support it. Then he says, oh, it's going to pay for itself. It's like a, something funny you wrote on Twitter, like, uh, oh, this guy lied, but uh, he, anyway, I don't remember what it was, but it's the, the typical thing that kids did, like, oh, I wasn't there in the room, 
but uh, I, I just took one chocolate, not both of them. Anyway, so I'm really looking, that's, that's gonna sound weird. I'm looking forward to the next debates because they can't be as bad as this one. And it's a bit like the NBA finals. The first game, it's always open to mistakes. Then the team reconvenes. But the question is, is Trump even able to do that, to, to, to sit down with some people who know their stuff and tell him, look, that's what you did, that's what you shouldn't do. And with Biden, it's as good as it got. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's all that one can expect from him. Look, I, I don't even, I'm not sure I agree that Trump did a poor performance if the, if the standard is him achieving what he wants to achieve, which is to excite his supporters and to kind of speak to the sort of unheard everyman out there, the person who is kind of upset with the lockdowns and Trump is saying this lockdown is Biden's lockdown. You know, it's the Democrat mayors, it's the Democrat governors, Trump says. Also, of course, the civil unrest. You know, it's not politically correct for people to be blunt about how they feel about the civil unrest, but Trump is being very blunt about it and he's speaking to people's passion. So I think uh, Trump knows how to play the Trump game and he's won in the past. And, uh, you know, here he is now. There's a good chance that last night went exactly as Trump wanted it to and that he'll continue to do this. And there's a good chance that he'll win. I, um, I just got to tell you, Look, if, if Trump's whole thing is that all, the, all these problems around the country are with Democrat mayors and Democrat governors, maybe he has a point. Maybe those cities and states should rethink the party that they elect for their local governance. But when it comes to the White House, yo, Trump is, should not be the future. And the only way to uh, fight for the future is to live in it today. That's a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a messed up version of the Rand quote. But I think... Uh, I think uh, there, there's something very troubling that's taken place on the Republican, in the Republican Party. Um, this sort of gleeful rejection of the founding principles. It was going on before Trump, uh, you know. Don't let anyone say that Trump, like, single-handedly destroyed the Republican Party. If you had hung out with Republicans 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you would see this sort of youthful um, kind of carelessness about the founding principles and individualism, sort of a smirk in the face of all of that and saying like, oh, to hell with all of that. Let's just beat the Democrats and kind of use some of their And tactics. bring democracy to Iraq. Or, but not, well, sort of, not, no, not really. I mean, you're, you're, that's a bit of a uh, blending. I think a lot of this has sort of been a response to the neocons. They're sort of like a return to um, more of a isolationist, uh, view build the wall not go out there and and fix the world but more like build the wall now isolationism is not necessarily a bad thing it's but 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 a lot of these people they are kind of reaction reacting to the neocons they're more you like said, you, uh, yeah mm -hmm. that's that that's the most important thing yeah people should not forget that for all the stuff that is happening now in the republican party in a way it's a reaction to the complete boring, not even bo boring is a neutral term, to the really, really bad premises of the neocons. And because as you always say, when you create a void in philosophy and in principles and in values, someone is going to fill that void. Now that void hasn't been filled properly, but let's not forget who created that void. Anyway. That's right. This and is not to, and yes, let's just don't. speak in a voids. Remember everyone, we are, we are speaking for ourselves here. This is complicated stuff and we are not like speaking in the name of uh 
objectivism, Ayn Rand, or even the Ayn Rand Center UK. We are speaking <laughs> as private, private individuals. We, do, we don't even agree necessarily on this issue with Razi. I necessarily definitely don't agree with Razi on this issue. So by the way, that's fine. Like, oh, objectivists are a cult. And all we do, like most of them, is disagree. Anyway, I don't want to guilt our audience. But here's the thing. Some people stood up all night to watch this debate. Now I'm going to sound like Peter Keating's mother. Don't you think it's worthy going to Ayn Rand Center's membership and contributing? Or if this is a sacrifice, share our stuff, like our stuff, support our stuff. And maybe, maybe we're going to stay up for the next debate as well, though I don't promise. So. I mean, you can just watch it in the morning, you know, there's Yeah, like... but it's not the same. Come on, it's not the same. You're on Twitter, you see the reactions, it's real time. You don't know yeah. what's going to happen. You don't know if there's going to be a fist fight in like five minutes. In the morning, you know, these things didn't happen. Uh, suit yourself. I'm just saying, I would just avoid Twitter, wake up, watch it, and then go, get on Twitter. But I do this with NBA sometimes, which also has a no spoiler. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, I see what you mean. Anyway, thank you very much, everyone, and we're going to see you soon. Bye-bye.